The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 2. Gospel of Mark chapter 2. So, Mark chapter 2. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just one more moment as we read from uh, Mark chapter 2. And we're going to read through verse 12. Mark chapter 2. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let the bed, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, And glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful today. I can't help but read, when I read this story, Lord, I I just feel the power in your words. And I realize, Lord, that Just as that man who was sick of the palsy, this day all of us need your words. We need to hear from you. So thank you for this time we have together. And I pray that your spirit would have liberty in our hearts and minds and would stir us and challenge us today. Bless this time we have now. We ask that all that we say will glorify you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I read verse 11, I get goosebumps. I don't know about you, but when I I read the power in the words of Christ to this man to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. And he did so. And this was a man who had (laughs) been crippled from birth. In this passage here this morning, we find three groups of people. There were the crowds, 
There were the critics, and we saw the crippled. Now this morning, we all like to think of ourselves in the best light. We all, we all like to think highly of ourselves, right? Most of us don't go around thinking ill about ourselves. We, we like to think we're good people and we, 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 we're doing a good job. We're, we're being good citizens and we're being good, good uh, Christian people in this world. But no matter who we are this morning, each of us will fit into one of these three groups. For the next uh, few moments, I would like you to focus on only one person, and that's yourself. No one else. Don't focus on your spouse. Don't focus on your children. Don't focus on the people sitting around you. Focus on yourself as we examine these three groups. And see if you can find yourself in one of them. First this morning, let us look at the crowd. Mark chapter 2, and, oh Mark chapter 2, yeah, we just read in verse 1. And it was noise that he was in the house. Now as always, the, as always was the case, Jesus' presence drew a crowd, did it not? We see throughout scripture that wherever Jesus was, there was a crowd of people. In the cities, along the shores, even in the wilderness, people gathered around Jesus. The diseased, the despondent, the discouraged, the desolate, all came to Jesus for some type of help. Today in our churches, we still often see the crowds gather around Jesus. And most of the times, these crowds are seeking something. And each instance that we find in Scripture, when the people gathered in great numbers unto Jesus, it was for the same reasons, the same motives. And these same motives are what men often seek after today. So what are these motives? Well, first letter A, they came seeking provision. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, we read, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What shall ye eat or what shall ye drink? Nor yet for your body, what shall ye put on? Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Now, these things were a fairly common focus of people in the days of Christ. You see, there were no unemployment offices. There, there were no welfare programs. People literally lived day to day. Things such as clothing, shelter, food, these things were luxuries to many people. But today, most of us do not suffer a lack of these bare necessities. Yet, the crowds will still gather today around Jesus. And they too 
gather seeking something from him. Our society is built upon greed and gain. The more we have, the more we want. And if it means that we have to go into debt to have it, so be it. And after we have hawked our entire future and, in many cases, the future of our children, then we turn to God. And we expect him to bail us out. I've seen that many times. I've seen people come to church and say, okay, well, if I, if I start going to church, God will bless me. And if I start going to church and, and if I give a little bit, the Bible says the Lord will give me back more than I give him. So I'm going to come and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come to church and, and, and I'm here, God. I'm here, Lord. Now what are you going to do for me? Huh? That's the attitude of a lot of people that come to church. It might even be the attitude of some of us here today. I've seen it many times. Come through those doors out there. I've been here, I've been here 30 years, 29 years, almost 30. I've seen, you, you can't imagine how many people I've seen come through those doors. And a lot of times it's for this very reason. They come here expecting that God will owe them something for being here. If you're a child of God today, then you need to learn to live within your means and, and not worry about your provisions. God has already promised us that he would provide all that we need. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, Paul writes, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And God always makes good on his promises. In Psalm 37, we read, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. David write, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. You know, none of us here this morning look like we're starving. Especially me. Mm. We've had some lean times, my wife and I, over the last 38 years of being in the ministry. But I'm here to tell you today, God has never let me down. And I deserve to be let down. But he has been faithful. Now, he hasn't always fed us prime rib. How many of you here know what Vienna sausages are? Any of you know Vienna sausages? I've eaten lots of Vienna sausages over the years. Yeah. He hasn't always fed us prime rib, but he's always fed us. And we've always been warm and had a house to live in. We've always had clothes, clothes to live. God gave my wife a job years ago working for St. Vincent de Paul, working in the office, and she'd bring home bags of clothes almost every day. It got to the point where I told her, listen, for every bag you bring in, you got to bring a bag out. 
we're beginning to look like hoarders. God took care of us through all the lean years when, when, we, when we had a hard time. He never forsakes you. His seed is blessed. And if you're a child of God here today, you'd have to admit the same thing. You are blessed. You may not have everything you want, but you have everything you need. And if we do lack anything, it's usually because we've been poor stewards of the provisions that God has already given us. You see, for the most part, the crowd, they're not seeking the glory of God. They're seeking to satisfy their own needs and their own lusts. But then the crowds also come, letter B, seeking power. In Luke chapter 10, we read, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. There were those in, in the crowds who coveted the power of Jesus and the power that his disciples had been given. They did not seek the power of God so that they could serve him or glorify his name. They sought this power so that they might use it to their own advantages. And guess what? I still see that today in churches. I see men who come into our fellowship seeking authority and power, craving for fame in the sight of men. But what does the Lord have to say about this type of attitude? Well, in Matthew chapter 23, we read, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter writes, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Yeah, there, there are those in the crowd who, who want the authority. They, they want prestige. They, they want popularity. Again, I've been doing this for 38 years. I've seen men. I've even seen men in this church who crave, who crave power. And who crave recognition. They, 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 they live to hear their name called from the pulpit. To be, to have their, themselves lifted up before all men. These things ought not be in the heart of God's children. Let us, let us be small in stature. You might say, oh, it's easy for you to say you're standing up there in the pulpit. Listen, I would rather be sitting out there. I really would. I told Jason this morning, I do not covet standing in this office. I have told pastor before, I have no desire to preach. I have no desire to teach. But if you need me to do either, I am willing to do it. But let us be smaller stature. Even when I stand in this, in this pulpit, even then I, I, I hope and pray that the words I speak lift Christ in your eyes and not myself. 
for I'm but a worm. Humble yourselves. God's power is the means. His glory is the end. Amen? His glory is the end of all that we do. Not ours. Listen, Lord tarries another 15 years from now. There'll be somebody else standing right here preaching. Won't be me and probably won't be Pastor Smith. You won't want to look at him if he's that old. I figure by then he'll be about this tall. Maybe it'll be Jorge. I don't know. Don't look at the man in the pulpit. Look at the God in the man. That's what we need to see today. Use the power God has given you to bring glory and honor to his name. Not your own. The crowds came seeking provision. They came seeking power. But then thirdly, I also want to say they came seeking profit. In John 6, verse 66, we read, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Many went back. They went back to their homes. They went back to their old lifestyles. They went back to their old religious beliefs. But why? Why did they go back? They went back because they realized what was expected of them. And they weren't willing to pay the price. In verse 60 of that same chapter, we read, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can bear it? Oh, they were willing to go along for the ride. They were... They enjoyed the free meals that came along with following Jesus. And they were even uplifted and inspired by his preaching and all the miracles he performed. But when Jesus started talking about bearing crosses, when he started preaching about righteousness, and when he started preaching about holiness, oh, oh, amen. I didn't sign on for that now. I'm not, I I can't do this. You see, the crowd was there to profit themselves, not not to serve Jesus, not to labor for Jesus. They were there to profit for themselves. They decided the benefit was not worth the commitment. I've seen marriages in that way. I've seen marriages end because one partner is not willing to make that commitment to the other. I've seen children abandoned and forsaken this way. And I've seen countless people drop out of churches over this very issue. You see, the crowd was seeking the wrong things. They were seeking food, fame, and fortune. And in the end, they went away empty and sad. Now, what about us today? Are we a part of the crowd? Are we here just for what we can get from from the Lord? Are we here just for personal recognition? Are we here for personal profit and gain? Or are we here for the glory of God the Father? But there was another group that we have to consider. Not only the crowds, but number two, the critics. 
Look at Mark chapter 2. Hopefully you're still there. Look at verses uh, 6 and 7. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now in every crowd you're always going to find critics. They They are those who look for the negatives in everything. They criticize the music. Uh, the music's too long. Uh, the music's too fast. Oh, uh, the music's too slow. They criticize the pews. Uh, the pews are crooked. Ah, uh, the pews move around. Ah, uh, the pews the pews are ugly. They criticize the hymnals. They criticize the video system. Yeah, people think that that's wicked and evil. Yeah, they do. The video said they criticize the preacher. Now the preacher gets a lot. The preacher gets a lot. You know the preacher. The preacher eats at more houses than he realizes. He's had for dinner many, many times. They criticize the preaching. Well, can't they be nicer? Do they have to be so hard nosed? They criticize the deacons. I can't complain about that. They criticize the nursery. It's too cold in the winter. It's too hot in the summer. They always got some complaint. Critics. In our passage today, we see that these scribes were critical of Jesus because he offered forgiveness of sins to this palsied man. They mistook Christ as a mere man. A mortal just like they. And as a mere man, his proclamation of these sins being forgiven would be blasphemy. However, I must conclude that these men, as critics usually are, were ignorant of truth. Most people criticize what they don't understand. Now, what drives the heart of a critic? There are many possibilities, but I would like to briefly focus on just two. First, letter A, they were consumed by jealousy. Acts chapter 13. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. The scribes and Pharisees (laughs) could not defeat this man, Jesus. He confounded them with his doctrine. He exposed them with his preaching. He humbled them with his miracles. Yet, beside all this, they hated him the more. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees could not see the truth in Christ because they were too busy clinging to their traditions. They could not fit their traditions into Christ's doctrine. This bred jealousy, which led to bitterness, which led to hatred. Now, you hear me today. Put away bitterness before it destroys you and everyone you love. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Don't be jealous of others who can do what you cannot do. There are many things around this church that are done by other people because I, I don't have the, the skill to do them. I'm not jealous of that. 
And you know, quite frankly and honestly, as I get older, uh, I'm looking for that young man in the church who's going to step up behind this pulpit and start leading the singing and waving his arms. I've been doing this for 37 years. You ever going to come at me? Don't come at me from this side. I'm just warning you. This, is this, this shoulder has been exercised for 37 years. Come at me on this side because I never used it. This one only holds the microphone. I'm, I, listen, I'm not, I'm, if someone else can, can serve, I'm not jealous. I'm, I'm happy. I'll, I'll go sit out there in the pew and sing. I'll sing nice and loud. I'm, I'll be happy. I know Brother Gary feels that way about the choir. Brother Gary loves the choir. I know he does. But he's not going to fight with anybody who wants to come up here and take over. Listen, be happy when people can serve and can, can do things. Don't be jealous. This is exactly where we see the critics in today's passage. They're jealous. They were envious of Jesus, that Jesus was able to make this man walk. We see that critics were driven by jealousy, but then secondly, letter B, they were, they were captives of judgment. Now let me take a moment to explain this. Matthew chapter 7 says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. These critics could not help but be judgmental of others. Because judgment was at the very core of their religious system. They had developed a system of standards. And these standards determined the spirituality of an individual. They lived and died by this system of standards. And if you do not conform to the standards, then you will be judged. And the sad reality is that they could not help but do this. Because the standard had become greater than even the Lord. And their faith and hope rest in their standards. And if they have to stomp you into the ground, their standards are more important than the word of God itself. And we see this today as well in churches around America. Men today determine our worth as a Christian by what they see on the outside. And this is the viewpoint of the standard bearer. We were joking about this over the last few weeks about white shirts. Remember that? If, you don't, if you're not wearing a white shirt, you're not right with God. That's, that's, that's the standard bearer. To be acceptable in their sight, you have to dress like they dress. You have to wear your hair like they wear your hair. You have to only listen to the music they approve. You have to even, did you ever go to one of these hyper-fundamentalist Baptist schools, colleges? If you just go stand on the platform and look out there at all the young men, they're all, they all have the same haircut, all comb the same way, they're all dressed the same, and they, they even chew their gum the same way. They're, they're, it's it's, it's cookie-cutter Christianity. If you don't do what they do, you're not right with God. And they judge you. And believe me, they will. 
They will. Listen, and I'm skipping over reading some passages of Scripture. I hope you mark those that we didn't read and go back and you read them later. I'm running low on time. Listen, we're not called to become standard bearers. We're called to become image bearers of Christ. Romans 8.29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Our inward, our inward attributes should mirror those of Christ. Patience. Christ was so patient, wasn't he? De- especially dealing with Peter. Love. Christ was moved, the Bible says, he was moved with compassion for the multitudes. Forgiveness. Remember the story of the woman taken in adultery? I have a message on that called Letters in the Sand. And that that was one I was considering preaching this morning. The woman taken in adultery by the Pharisees and they brought her before Christ. Because they wanted Christ to judge her. And Christ's response to them was, he among you without sin. Let him cast the first stone at her. And I don't have time to go into that. That's a whole other lesson by itself. The the standard bearer does all that he does in an attempt to gain acceptance and approval in the sight of God. The image bearer yields and allows himself to be used by the indwelling spirit of God to manifest the character of Christ through him. Philippians chapter 1. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, That in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's a good attitude, isn't it? Then lastly, this morning, we look at the third group. And that is the crippled. In Mark chapter 2, we read it in verses 3 through 5. And they come unto him bearing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. (laughs) Here we see the man sick of the palsy. Palsy is a disease that affects both the nervous and muscular systems of the body. There are many types of palsy, but all are crippling and debilitating to the inflicted person. A man stricken with palsy was helpless. He could not work. He could not travel. He was at the mercy of of others. So this brings me then to the other men associated with the crippled. We read that, that the man palsy uh, was born by four. He, he was so helpless that these men 
realized the only thing, the only way he could be helped was if they brought him to Jesus. He did not have the ability to get himself there on his own. They had to, they had to get him there. These men didn't just pity their friend. They didn't just feel sorry for him and, and wish he could be better. They did something about it. They carried him to Jesus. Now with the last few minutes I have this morning, I want to notice three characteristics of these four men and we'll be done. And I would hope that we could find these characteristics in our own lives. First, they were filled with compassion. They were filled with compassion. Look at verse 3 again. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. These four men cared enough about their friend to do something about his condition. They were not content to just wait and see and hope for the best. They were moved with compassion and did something meaningful to help. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10? Huh? Remember that? The priest came by, saw the man fallen on the street, beaten and left for dead by thieves. He, he came by and saw that man and the Bible says he, he passed by and, uh, on the other side of the street. Then came the Levite. Right? The Levite came by and saw him and the Levite stopped and looked at him and went on his way. Neither of those men, Jesus asked, which now of these men thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? But the good Samaritan, when he saw him, he came to him and he comforted him and he, he took of his own possessions and he bound his wounds and he poured, he poured medicines upon him, gave him water to drink, put him on his own mule, took him to the inn and, and lodged him and put him up. And when he had to leave, told the, the keeper of the inn, take care of him and when I return, <coughs> whatsoever I owe you, I'll pay. Each of us here today have relatives or friends who are helplessly and hopelessly lost without Christ. There is nothing they can do to help themselves. What are we doing about it? Are we witnessing to them? Are we praying for them? Are you, are you willing to carry them to Jesus? Are you, maybe you go encourage them to come, come to church with me. Bring them to the Lord. They were filled with compassion. But then secondly, letter B, they were filled with confidence. These men knew that Jesus could help their friend. They were so certain that they brought him to Jesus. Now, in Matthew chapter 8, again, we don't have time to read it. Verses 5 through 13, we read of the centurion who had the sixth servant. And he went to Jesus and he asked Jesus to come. And, and Jesus said, I'll go with you. And he told the Lord, no, Lord, you're, you're basically, he said, you're much too busy. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus was, was amazed by his great faith that he, he trusted. He had confidence that if Jesus just spoke the word, his servant would be healed. Now let's get closer to home this morning. Do you have confidence in Christ today? 
Do you have confidence in Christ for your own salvation? 1 John chapter 5, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Are you, you have confidence today in Christ for your salvation? Are you born again today? Do you have confidence this morning in Christ and his sovereignty? Colossians chapter 1, we read, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Jesus is sovereign. He rules all things. He is Lord of all. These four men were confident that if they could get their friend to Jesus, everything would be well. But then also their other characteristic is this. Let her see. They were filled with commitment. Verse 4 in Mark chapter 2. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. They broke, off, broke up the roof. They didn't get there and say, oh, it's too crowded. We can't get in. Oh, well, we'll, we'll just have to try and catch him later. No. They climbed, up on this, they climbed up on this roof. And they started ripping a hole in the roof. What would you do if someone started, started ripping a hole in your roof? Would you be happy about that? I'm sure the host of, of Jesus, and I'm sure the, the man who owned that house was, was watching his roof being torn up. I'm pretty sure he's probably there, Jesus. Yeah. You see what's going on up there? That's, Lord, that's not right. That's, that's not right. I mean, these men on the roof said, oh, I don't care if it's crowded or not. We're going to bust a hole in this roof. That had to be four rednecks. I'm going to tell you right now. That had to be four rednecks. You would not get four men from California to dream of climbing on, on top of a $400,000 home and tear up the roof. No way. That, those guys came from the hills of Arkansas or someplace like that. Now, I could spend an hour just preaching on this point right here. But I think you understand what I'm trying to say. They were committed. They were totally committed to getting their friend to Jesus. No matter what the obstacle. No matter what the cost. Crowds, critics, and Christ. Now let's go back to the beginning for just a moment. We'll be done. Did you find your group this morning? Are you a part of the crowd? Seeking what you can get from Jesus? Desiring the things you want? but neglecting the things that God desires? Are you one of the critics? Do you bear jealousy in your heart? Do you, do you harbor bitterness toward anyone within, with, within this church? Are you a whited sepulcher filled with dead man's bones? Are you a crippled, hopelessly and helplessly lost? Unable to do anything to help yourself. Are you here this morning? Are you lost? 
Do you know Jesus as Savior? Well, the good news is that whatever group you are in, Jesus is here to help you get in the right one. He's here to save your soul and give you new life. He's here to help you get into the group of the four men, the group that is filled with compassion, confidence, and commitment. He is here today to change you into the image of his son. Now, in just a few moments, we'll dismiss this service. Some of you are thinking, hallelujah. You can blame this on pastor, by the way, because he hits his, his, this song service. I'm going to complain. This song service is too long. <laughs> Will you leave this place the same way you arrived this morning? Or will you leave this place today with, with a vision and a, and, and a sight on what God wants you to be and do? I'll leave you today with these verses of scripture. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. This is the word of God. What will you do with it? Let's pray. Our Father, we may not like to hear some of the things we heard today because sometimes they mean we're, we have to change something. Sometimes they, they mean we're not right with you. But Lord, help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Lord, if you have spoken to us today, if you have touched our heart about some matter in our lives, let us, let us, Father, let us follow your direction and do something about it. Stir us and strengthen us. Use us to glorify you in all things. And in this, we'll, we'll be thankful and we'll, we'll praise your name. I pray you bless Pam today and give her comfort and peace. I pray you bless the pastor as he obviously worries about his wife and cares for her. And I pray you bless everyone in the pews here today. Strengthen us, Father. Use us to your glory and to your honor. And in this we'll rejoice. And we'll thank you and praise your name. Bless all we ask now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.